Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing Word from God. God bless you. The title of my message tonight is The Gospel. So good, it's offensive. The Gospel. So good, it's offensive. Before I get into offending people, let me just uh, welcome some people all the way from Kona, Hawaii, two of the dearest friends of Leanne and I, two of the greatest humans that we know on planet Earth is Pastor Evan and Shinobu Carmichael. Can you guys stand up, give everybody a wave? Can we welcome them from Hawaii? Say aloha, it's great to have them. Sitting next to them, the powerhouse from Brisbane, Australia, formerly from Mackay, Australia. I've known him since we were both uh, just youth, scallywag youth pastors. And uh, Ryan is an incredible business guy. This is his third trip to San Diego to awaken this year. He brought his sons out to emerge. And uh, can we just honor Pastor Ryan Gilbank? Can you give everyone a wave, Ryan? Let everyone know who he is. Sitting next to him, the powerhouse from New Zealand, Pastor Kerry Robertson, who now pastors in Frisco, Texas. And uh, I've known him for over 30 years. He's, his brother, his younger brother, used to be in my youth group. And there's a whole bunch of stories. And uh, I think he was the test. I think if I could survive having Paul Robertson in my youth group, God said, all right, he can do anything. And uh, Paul did. <laughs> oh, my God. Anyway, in Jesus' name, it's great to have his big brother here, Pastor Kerry. Dear God. All right, come with me in your Bibles. We're going to start in Galatians 5.11, just so you know I'm not making stuff up. Galatians 5.11 says, and, uh, and I, brethren, if I still preach circumcision, why do I still suffer persecution? Then the offense of the cross has ceased. Then the offense of the cross has ceased. Throughout the New Testament, the Apostle Paul says that the, the, the gospel, to those who are being saved, it's the power of God. But to those who are perishing, it is foolishness or it is an offense. So I want you to understand that, 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 that we're not trying to water down the gospel. We're not trying to, hey, God, whoo, you know, let, let us play PR. You need a little bit of PR, God, just, you know, Seeker-friendly is, you know, we try to play PR. God, you know, we really want you to hide behind the curtain. What are you doing? You're coming up. God, you can't come out from behind the curtain. People will see you and you'll turn them off. Get back behind the... We actually believe that the greatest thing that can happen is you see God when you come into the house of God. You need an encounter with God. You need to experience God. But we understand the gospel is offensive. So Tonight, I kind of want to tell you five things that are offensive about the gospel, but I honestly believe, because the Bible says to those of us who are being saved, it's not offensive, it is awesome, it is the power of God. So now come with me in your Bibles, the, the story we're going to look at is Luke chapter 15, Luke chapter 15, and we're going to read from verse 11, Luke 15 verse 11, a lot of you will know it as the, the story of the prodigal son, it says, a certain man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. Not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. 
But when he had spent all there, sorry, but when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in that land, and he began to be in want. Then he went and he joined himself to a citizen of that country, and that citizen sent him into his fields to feed swine. He would have gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, but nobody gave him anything. Verse 17, but when he came to himself, when he came to himself, he said, now, now when he kind of has a, a, an awakened moment, he comes to himself, he, he has an awakened moment, he has an epiphany. And he says, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and leftover? Have bread enough and to spare and I perish with hunger. And I perish with hunger. I need you to understand the reason that I have no problem preaching prosperity is because it was prosperity in the father's house that brought the prodigal son home. The devil, the devil has an entire generation. He has an entire generation of young men and young women who think that the father's house is a dead house. They think the father's house is an irrelevant house. They think it's a powerless house. They think it's a listless house. They think it's a house of dogma, a house of rules. They think it's a house that is broke, a house of dysfunction. They don't understand that the house of God is a powerhouse. They don't understand that the house of God is a house of prosperity and blessing. He said, how many of my father's hired servants, these aren't even the sons, these are just the hired servants, but because they're under my father's house, because they're in the father's house, they, they are so prosperous, they have enough to eat and they have stuff left over. They have bread enough and to spare. When, when we came to San Diego, they, they, they made it very, very clear what the, the principalities governing the region was, and one of them was Mammon. Mammon says, don't you dare be, don't you dare speak into finance. Don't you dare speak into money. Don't you dare speak into materialism. 17 of the 37 parables Jesus spoke was about money. Almost half the parables was about money. But Mammon wants the church to be silent. Because the devil wants the gold, the devil wants the silver, the devil wants the oil, the devil wants the wealth, the devil wants the resources. He doesn't want the church prospering. He doesn't want the church to have money. Now, a lot of people say, well, hang on, Pastor, you, you, you got you, you to understand the Bible says that, that, that money is the root of all evil. Well, the Bible doesn't say that. The Bible says the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. So you know what we teach in here? We teach in here how not to fall in love with money. We teach you in here how not to fall in love with money. How do you do that? You stay in love with God. You stay in love with God. How do I, how do, I do that? It's very simple, very simple. Money is something you use. God is something you love. God is somebody you worship. We don't worship money, we use money. We worship God. We don't honor money, we honor God. When we honor God, we understand the purpose of money. The spirit of mammon wants money to be your master. Jesus says you can't serve God and mammon. 
He didn't say you can't serve God and Baal. He didn't say you can't serve God and the devil. He didn't say you can't serve God and self. He says you can't serve God and mammon. In this world, the spirit of mammon, the spirit of money is something that every single one of us has to learn to overcome. The reason we have pathfinders, the primary goal of pathfinders is to teach you the biblical principles on how to handle money. Can I just tell you this? The Bible teaches God has no problem with you having money. God has no problem with you having stuff. He has a problem with stuff having you. He has no problem with you having money. He has a problem with money having you. Because a lot of people will cite to me, you know, well, the rich young ruler, Jesus said to him, go and sell everything you have and give to the poor. Follow me and you'll have treasure in heaven. And so a lot of people will, will quote that to me and say, see, Jesus wants us to have nothing. Well, nowhere does it say have nothing. Yeah, yeah, he told him to sell everything you have and give to the poor. That means have nothing. Jesus didn't say have nothing. He says, sell everything you have, give to the poor, follow me, and you'll have treasure in heaven. Treasure in heaven isn't treasure for heaven, just so you know. Just so you know. Treasure in heaven isn't treasure for heaven. I have my money in U.S. Bank. It's not for U.S. Bank. If, they, if those little rascals send me a postcard saying we're here in Cancun, thanks for your savings. It's, it's in U.S. Bank. It's not for U.S. Bank. You don't, you don't need money when you get to heaven. When, when you and I get to heaven, there's not going to be, you know, we get to the, the gate and there's, oh, it's awkward. There's a beggar. Oh, shoot. Um, oh, gosh, I didn't even get to bring my wallet. And, you know, there's... A, there's a pan, and you, you know, you, you just arrive. You don't want to, you don't want to kind of look bad. You want to look like, yeah, like I'm, for God so love the world. Like I'm, I'm a generous, I'm giving. Man, I didn't, I don't, in this new, I don't have a wallet. I'm, who, who are you? I was the thief on the cross. I just made it. I didn't get to store up anything. Eternity's a long time. I'm not sure if I'm going to... Treasure in heaven is not for heaven. Jesus says, store up for yourself treasure in heaven where neither thieves break in, moth nor rust don't destroy. It's in heaven for here. It's preserved for here. You're meant to draw it down here. You walk under an open heaven here. Where's that in the Bible? Glad you asked. Glad you asked. Acts chapter 10, Cornelius, the first Gentile to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Peter is told to go to him. And when Peter goes to him, uh, an angel has spoken to Cornelius and says, Cornelius, Peter is going to come. He's staying with Simon the Tanner. He's going to pray for you. You're going to receive the Holy Spirit because both your prayers and your generosity, your arms, your giving has come up to God as a memorial in heaven. Because of your, the record in heaven, we're going to bless you in the earth. You're going to be the first Gentile to be baptized with the Holy Ghost, speaking in tongues to show the whole world that God is now dispensing the Holy Spirit amongst the Gentiles. So tr prosperity is 
for you and I. God has no problem with you having stuff. He has a problem with stuff having you. See, the rich young ruler, and he came to Jesus and said, hey, how do I add to my rich, to my young, to my ruling? How do I add eternal life? And Jesus is like, yeah, you don't add church. You don't add God to your business, to your life. You don't add eternal life. Seek first the kingdom. And Jesus, so Jesus says to him, you know the commandments. He says, oh, all the commandments I've kept since I was a youth. And Jesus is like, really? That makes just two of us. I'm about to give everything on a cross. Let's see how much the word has gone in. Go, sell what you have, give to the poor. Because there's one thing you lack. It's, you're all about you. One thing you lack, you are so myopic, you are so self-centered. Go and sell everything you have, give to the poor. Jesus wanted him to have nothing. Why didn't, why didn't Jesus just say, go and give to the poor? He said, sell everything you have and give to the poor. Why not? Why, why, why bother putting it on eBay? Why bother listing it, finding out its value, posting it, getting bids, getting offers, you know, find, like, why, 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 why not just give, give it away, give it away, give it away? Now? Why not just give it away? <laughs> Jesus was trying to shift them. I want you to sell everything you have because you, with your Rolex and you, with your Bentley, you think it's worth this because you paid this for it. I want you to look how the world depreciates things. Everything the world has has a depreciation and your value and your worth and your identity. You, You walk around all flash, you think you got it. Everything, everything you're wearing, everything you're driving is depreciating. The only thing that appreciates is eternity. You got your priorities wrong. God has no problem with you having wealth. He has a problem with wealth having you. So, so what's the antidote? How, how, it's very simple. Give. God said, God, Jesus said to him, go give. Because givers can't greed and greeters can't give. The antidote to greed is giving. Whenever you give, that's why we speak on giving every week. We don't speak on giving every week because, oh, you know, we're not going to make it. Oh, we don't speak on giving. We're not going to pay the bills, are we? Giving is not trying to get something from you. My God, giving is trying to get something to you. I've had other pastors say, wow, you you, you speak speak about giving in every service. Yeah. Oh, really? Why why would you do that? Because I love my people. Because I love my people. Give, and it will be given to you. Press down, shaking together, running over. With the measure you use, it'll be measured back to you. The greatest thing we can do is give. You give your way into breakthrough. You give your way into increase. Like the pastors who don't speak on giving, they don't care about their people. They care about themselves. They care more about themselves than they do about their congregations. Give and it will be given, pressed down, shaken together. Watch this, watch this, watch this. In the book of Acts, they quote Jesus, and they say, remember when Jesus said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. It is more blessed to give than to receive. But if anyone's got kids, you'll notice the kids are like, they don't like giving, but they love receiving. My little daughter, you know, her, her birthday is August 17. 
when she opens the last present on August 17, she looks at me, she goes, how many sleeps till Christmas? Because she's like, there's no more gifts. The next lot of gifts are coming at Christmas because she loves to receive. And yet the Bible says it is more blessed to give than to receive. You know, and some, some people just think, well, you know, the Bible, it's got to say that. It's, gonna kinda, it's got to kind of post ethereal, irrelevant kind of stuff. Does it or is it, or is it real? Do you know why it is more blessed to give than to receive? Because once you receive, that's the end of the cycle. The cycle is now closed. So the end of a thing is when you receive. The beginning of a brand new cycle is when you give. Because the Bible says give and it will be given to you. Press down, shaken together and running over. When you give, you open up a brand new cycle and your breakthrough and your blessing is yet to come. Now this offends people, but the gospel is offensive. So let me just explain. The people who are offended right now are offended because your religious upbringing told you that it is, it is, it is anathema. It is wrong. We should never give expecting to, God is not some giant slot machine in the sky. You should just, you should just give and not expect anything. There's not a farmer in the world who puts seed in the ground and says, I'm not expecting a harvest. But let's, let's, let's go a little deeper. Let's go a little deeper. If, if, if you are so holy that you give and don't expect anything in return, you may just be more holy than God. And if that's you, would you please fly around the room so I, so I can hand you the mic. Because the Bible says, John 3.16, most famous scripture, God speaking, for God so loved the world, He gave... He's only. Only means he doesn't have a spare. Only means he doesn't have another one. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. When God sent Jesus to the cross and the angel's like, God, that's your son. That's your only son. God didn't say, well, I know. I'm not expecting anything in return. God knew, God knew that with the crises, with the dilemma, with the, with the mankind separated from him through sin, God had to give his best. God gave his best seed. That's what a son is. God gave, God gave his son as a seed into the earth because he knew to get the greatest harvest, to get the optimum harvest, he had to give the greatest seed. The greatest seed of heaven is the Son of Heaven, Jesus Christ. Can I tell you, 2,000 years later, there's 2.4 billion Christians on the planet increasing every single day. That seed that he sowed 2,000 years ago is still receiving a harvest. If it's good enough for God to give, if it's good enough for God to give, Break off the religious mindset that's trying to limit you in believing that you can't give expecting a return. The Bible says that you ought to do that. So he says, how many in my father's house have bread enough in despair? And here I am perishing with hunger. I will arise and I will go to my father's house and I will say to him, 
Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. Make me like one of your hired servants. I love this because the, 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 the position, the, the disposition that he's adopted is one of I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. If you live with a mindset of I deserve this, the spirit of the world creates offense. The spirit of the world creates victims. The spirit of the world has jacked up and messed up. We have kids in college that have selected their gender studies degree in college and they don't believe that they should pay for it. They believe that somebody else should pay for it because they're so entitled. Entitlement is the, is the recipe towards a miserable, dysfunctional, beat down, broke down life. Appreciation. Coming to the place where you're not saying, give me. He, remember, he began with give me, but now he's like, make me. I'm not worthy, make me. Can I just tell you, if you will keep your heart like I don't deserve the blessing of God, so I'm going to give him praise. I don't deserve the goodness of God, but I'm going to give him praise. I don't deserve the good things that I have, but I'm going to give him praise. Can I just tell you the greatest thing that I do? I look at my beautiful Leanne and I say, I do not deserve to be married to somebody as beautiful to her, but God, I give you praise every single day. Before I met Leanne, I was a double tither. That's how I got Leanne. Leanne never tied the nickel in her life. That's how she, hey, that hurts, Lee. So watch this. He, t- he turns around. He turns around. So he arose and he came to his father. While he was still a great way off, his father saw him, had compassion and ran, fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to his father, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be your son. But the father said to his servants, bring out, bring out the Bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand, sandals on his feet and bring the fatted calf here and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this son was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found and they began to be merry. Can I tell you point number two is only the best will do. This offends people. The kid come back stinking of swine. He came back stinking of pig slop out in the world, and the father doesn't say, oh, you disgust me. The father does not put a new robe on him. The Bible doesn't say the father put a fresh robe on him. The Bible says the father, when he looked at the son who had brought disgrace on the house, disgrace on the name, the father met the son's disgrace with bring out the best robe. The reason I have no problem preaching the gospel, the reason I have no problem preaching the offence of the gospel is because when I came to God, I came with the filth of my sin. I came with the depravity of my brokenness. I came, I was a blasphemer. I was a fornicator. I was a mess on legs. And when I came to God, He didn't just give me a new robe. He didn't just give me a fresh robe and say, now try harder, try and keep it clean. You know what He gave me? He went and He took the very, very best robe. The best robe is the robe that was purchased by Jesus Christ. See, the Bible says that that, that when you and I stand before God, we don't stand in our own righteousness. 
Jesus Christ hung on a cross. The Bible says God made him who knew no sin to become sin so that you and I might become the righteousness of God. So the, the robe that you wear is the righteousness of God. It's not the righteousness of a prophet. It's not the righteousness of a good man. It is not the righteousness of a scribe. It is not the righteousness of Moses. It is not the righteousness of Elijah. The robe that I wear is the best robe. There is no robe that is better. It is the best robe. It is the robe... It is the robe that is known as the righteousness of God. When I walk into heaven, heaven recognizes me. My God, that must be a son of God. Look at him. We recognize him as a son. How do you recognize? Look at what he's wearing. He's wearing the best robe. He's wearing the righteousness of God. He didn't just save you and say, now try harder. Now you need to understand it's offensive even to pastors because I can't manipulate you with the truth. If I, the, the churches love preaching legalism because you can manipulate people. You can guilt shame them into serving and guilt shame them into giving. The truth is what Jesus did for you on the cross. He took your sin, my sin, he took my depravity and he, he put on me a coat the reason I have this coat of the best robe is because they came to him in the posture of, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy to be your son, make me. And the father says, because of that posture, I'm putting the best robe on you. The robe that is the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. If that's all he did, that would be enough. But it's an offensive gospel I'm preaching. I'm preaching an offensive gospel tonight. He doesn't stop there. Wait, there's more. Not steak knives. Not steak knives, Sammy. Not steak knives. No, I'd like them too. They cut through steel. Oh, no, but not that. He then says, and take the ring and put it on his finger. The father took the signet ring and put it on his finger. In other words, my son that squandered all my wealth, that went out and wasted everything with prodigal living has come back. I'm not just clothing him in my righteousness and perfection, but I'm restoring his authority. I'm restoring his, can I just tell you, you and I, when you come to Jesus Christ, what, we'll, what we will teach you in Awaken is the full gospel. I'm gonna teach you part gospel. I'm gonna teach you the full. When you come into this house, we're gonna teach you that because what Jesus Christ did, you have the righteousness of God. But then we need to, te we need to tell you something. We need to tell you that number three, full authority is restored. Full, you need authority. You need authority. Because there are demons, there are principalities and powers that seek to resist you. I was a youth pastor in Manukau City, New Zealand. We couldn't, we couldn't get our youth group to grow. It, it grew in spurts and spatters. And then God put it on my heart to start a prayer meeting up on Manukau Heights. And this, this, this one week we go up to Manukau Heights and this guy comes over all dressed in black and he says, how long are you guys gonna be? And I said, well, Probably another 45 minutes. I don't know. Like we're, you know, we're worshiping and praying. We're having a prayer meeting. He goes, he goes, I love the hills. There's power in these hills. And he says, but while you guys are up here, I can't break through. He was all dressed in black. We realized he was a Satanist. So we carried on the prayer meeting. The next week we went back up onto the mountain. 
This time he was up there with three of his friends, all dressed in black. And now they started walking towards us and they had crossbows. And they had the crossbows pointed directly at me and my youth group. And I'm like, oh dear God, like I'm unarmed. And there's three guys with arrows and crossbows walking towards us. And all of a sudden the Holy Ghost came upon me. Because I, I had like about 40 youth that I'm responsible for. The Holy Ghost came upon me and I just started walking towards the Satanists with the crossbows who were walking towards me with their crossbows. And I start walking towards them going, And they, they started freaking out. They, they like stop and look at each other and, and the anointing was so strong. And I'm speaking in tongue and I couldn't stop it. I couldn't hold it back. It was like a flood coming out of me. The next minute they just stopped, looked at each other, turned around and started running. And so I didn't, I got adrenaline, Dr. Matt, don't judge me. I got and I started chasing them. And the Holy Ghost goes, what are you doing? I said, I'm chasing him. He goes, what are you gonna do when you catch them? I'm like, I haven't thought anything through. I'm telling you, our youth group after that week, something shifted. It's like we, like we took down a principality. We went from like maybe 50 or 60 youth to 200 youth, 250 youth, 300 youth. It just, it just took off. We learned the same thing when we came to, to, to Sydney's Northern Beaches. We, we, we found a, a hill and we started a prayer meeting on a hill. And we, and we, we began to bind the principalities. When I came to San Diego, they told me there were, there were three spirits that dominated San Diego. This last year, Pastor Marco will tell you the warfare we've gone under in Coronado. The warfare we've gone under in Coronado. I'm like, why would we? It's just this little peninsula. I don't even care. And then God says, what's it called? I said, Coronado. He says, what does it mean in Espanol? It's the crown. He says, you thought the devil had his crown in the CBD. The crown was in this piece of real estate called Coronado. And because the devil is threatened that you're taking his crown, he's rearing up like a cornered animal. But guess what? We're not here to coexist with the devil. We're here to pull down every principality, every power, every throne, every dominion. Take every thought captive and make it obedient to Jesus Christ. When you shit, you need authority. You need authority to bind and loose. You need authority. When the devil comes in with sickness over your family or, or, or curses over your family or poverty over your family, I need you to understand in this house, we're gonna raise you up. You're gonna learn how to be a priest in your home. You're gonna understand that you and I have been given the keys to the kingdom. Whatever you bind on earth, heaven's got your back. It'll be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth, heaven's got your back. It'll be loosed in heaven. The reason you need to get to Pathfinders this week, my God, the reason you need to get the conference this week is because you're gonna learn kingdom keys and kingdom principles on how to unlock prosperity, how to unlock blessing, how to manage wealth, how to steward wealth, and how to be a great conduit of God, of wealth in the earth. Somebody say, Amen. Number four, He puts sandals on His feet, which means that you're engineered for purpose. You're meant, to, you're meant to walk out the things of God. You're meant to walk in the destiny of God. And the fifth one, the last one, the Bible says that He took the golden, uh, the fatted calf, not the golden calf, the fatted calf. He said, go and get the fattened calf and slaughter it now because we're going to celebrate. Do you know how many people have a problem with celebration? I know so many pastors over the years, I've been doing this for 30 something years. And they're like, oh, pastor, I'm 
while you're surfing, pastor, while you're golfing, pastor, while you guys are having fun with your team, we're studying the Word, brother. I don't got time to play golf, pastor. I'm studying the Word. Hallelujah. Spending time in the Word. Hallelujah. The sad thing is, it's sad. It breaks my heart. They all, they all, they're, they're so busy studying the Word, Pastor. They end up violating the Word. They end up transgressing the Word. Every pastor I know that has fun is still in ministry. Listen, in this house, you're going to feel like, I, I think they're just having a little too much fun. I think Dr. Matt is just a little too flirty with Kayla Ray, if I'm just being honest. But you can't blame him. Look at beautiful Kayla Ray. He's only, he's only human. Don't judge him. In, in, in this house, the thing that I Pastor Samuel, is there a human like Pastor Samuel? The guy is just, he's, he's champagne meets DJ. His champagne meets a deep. When he walks into the any any room, it's like ear, 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 ear. it's like that's him. That's him. He's awesome. He's awesome. I love him. You're meant to have fun. Your, your life is meant to be celebrated. Watch this. The older brother, when he hears the noise, comes into the house and says, What's this? And the dad says, son, come on in. So I'm not coming in. This, this, this son of yours, doesn't say this brother of mine, this son of yours squandered all your money with harlots. And now he comes back and, you're, and, and, he's, and the father pleads with him. And he says, son, all I have is yours. It's right that we celebrate because your brother was dead and now he's alive. I just need you to understand the Bible says, on earth as it is in heaven. Heaven rejoices. Jesus says, I tell you the truth, when just one sinner repents, when just one person turns their life around and says, I'm gonna turn my back on the world. Remember the world? Famine, the world, nobody gave him anything. The world, the greatest thing the world will do to get you to cope is send you into the field to feed swine. The greatest thing the world will do for you is get you to feed what is unclean. Pornography addiction, gambling addiction, lust addiction, alcohol addiction, drug That's all the world can do. When you turn your back on the world and you say, I'm coming back to my father's house. I'm coming back to my father's house. The Bible says when that happens, the angels drop their harps. They put down everything they've got. They put down their weapons. Michael put that demon down. And they start rejoicing. They start, heaven starts partying. We're meant to on earth be in heaven. You're going to find that we're a celebration church. You're going to find that we're a church that honors, that celebrates. Your life is so valuable. Who's the richest person in Awakened Church? The person who has the most friends to celebrate with. The most friends to celebrate with. Come on, let's stand to our feet. Stand to our feet. I want to pray for people tonight. But the first thing is this. If there are people here and your life is not right with God, 
You need to turn your back on the world and come back to the Father's house. I want you to find the aisle nearest to you and just come and stand down here. Just come and stand down the front and I'm going to pray for you. If you brought somebody that needs to do that, would you say, hey, come on, let's go down the front. I'm going to pray for you. If you need to come, come. If you have done it once before, but you know you need to rededicate, you know you need to, come on, let's put our hands together as people are coming up the back on the sides. Don't wait. Don't wait for somebody to ask you. Don't wait for somebody to turn. Come on down. Come on down. Let's put our hands together. People are coming from all over. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. I think there's still a few more people coming. Let's keep, let's keep clapping. Come on, let's keep clapping. Let's keep clapping. Let's keep clapping. Come on, let's celebrate as people are coming. God bless you, darling. God bless you, darling. God bless you. 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 Amen, 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 amen. Come on in. Come on in, beautiful. Come on in, sweetheart. So proud of you. So beautiful. Can we all say these beautiful words? Pray this beautiful prayer with these stunning people. Say these words out loud. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, tonight I turn my back on an empty world and I run to your house because in my Father's house is bread enough and to spare. Everything I've looked for is in your house. The devil lied to me. He said, I needed to leave your house. And all it did was brought emptiness and ache. Tonight, Lord God, I ask you to come into my heart. Lord Jesus, thank you that you died on the cross to take away my sin. I thank you that tonight you are my father and I am your child forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, can we give these people a great round? Give him a great round. Just wait here for just a moment. Wait here for just a moment. I feel a really beautiful anointing. Standing behind you, some of the best people in that church. We're going to give you a Bible and a following Jesus book. Uh, and we're going to pray for you. But I really feel like there are people you need, you, you need breakthrough tonight. I felt the Holy Spirit say, even as I was preaching, I was kind of laboring on the, um, the, the robe of righteousness. And it's, it's an unbelievable thing because the first thing that your brain will say is you don't deserve, you don't deserve, you don't deserve. Listen, the reason Jesus had to die on the cross is because in a billion years of trying, you still wouldn't be able to, des to deserve your way into heaven because our sinful nature means that we are lawbreakers by nature. We, the Bible, the word for sin is a, an uh, an archery word, it means it comes from the word harmartia, which means to, to miss the mark or to fall short. In other words, if you're trying to hit a target, you've got to aim just above the target to incorporate gravity because everything falls short of the target. That's what the word for sin is. It means that no matter how hard you try, your sinful nature will always cause you to fall short of God's standard. So Jesus had to die. So if you say, man, 
you don't understand, Pastor. I just don't feel worthy. Welcome to the club. We don't feel worthy. That's why we're exuberant with praise. That's why we're exuberant with worship. That's why we serve. That's why we get, that's why we honor. Because none of us are worthy. Amen. So if that's you, if you're struggling with guilt, shame, condemnation, I want you to put your hand on top of your head. I'm going to break that spirit right now. My God, look at this. Father, I break the spirit of guilt. I break the spirit of shame and I break the spirit of condemnation. I declare, I declare that each person is forgiven. Each that has received Jesus Christ, they are forgiven, they are cleansed, they are washed, they are renewed, they are restored. And God doesn't give them a new robe and say, try harder. He gave them the best robe. It is a robe of the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I break that thing. Now everybody lift your hands high to heaven. I have to hand back to Dr. Matt, but lift your hands high to heaven. Say these words out loud. Say, Heavenly Father, I give myself permission to prosper. Tonight, Lord Jesus, make me a great steward of wealth in the earth. I promise I won't use you and love wealth. I'll love you and use wealth to bring you all the glory. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Wow. What an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.